Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Um, today, I'm very excited to have on August Leppelmeyer. He is an activist and a teacher in the New York City public school system. August, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Sure, glad to be here. So tell me about yourself and tell me about, you know, what, what you're an activist, like what are you, what are you working towards mm -hmm. and just about what you're doing right now, like what kind of, like what yes. you've been doing as a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, have been teaching since 2001 as a social studies teacher. And um, before that, I was uh, full-time uh, as a substitute and um, for two years. And so um, as uh, in my work as an activist, I try to uh, go by the principle that we need to be uh, having a democratic union. And so we uh, need to advocate authentically for each other. And uh, so that's where I'm coming from with this. I'm a member of the Moore Caucus. Uh, we're uh, in the Trenches Act, uh, meaning that we're real teachers, not having a part-time gig in a school and officers for most of the day. So we're, uh, we're being very authentic. Great. So tell me about um, your feelings about when, when, uh, when we all went remote in the beginning and where mm -hmm. that's led to now and what's happening yes. now as opposed mm -hmm. to then. Um, I think that uh, that was, uh, you know, aside from that, there was that three days when the teachers were made to come in and we knew this thing was in a terrible outbreak. That was a real shame that it uh, happened that way. And uh, a lot of that training could have been done online. And in fact, it did uh, turn out to be done online. And uh, so some, that was a big some. mistake. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and it was so, yeah, go ahead. And, and so uh, it, it was a rough start, but once we got online, it was, uh, it was good in the spring. In your and, experience of it. Yes, in my experience. And uh, so that was safe for the teachers, safe for the students. It uh, was a great factor in bringing the uh, spread of the COVID to a halt. And uh, so um, as we're seeing it spring up again, it would be, uh, it would behoove us to move in that direction. So it didn't happen that way. So now there are teachers. So are you fully remote right now? Yes. Okay. Do, is it, are you, how did you get fully remote? Well, I have the misfortune of having um, a few pre-existing conditions. Okay. And so, um, so for my safety, um, I'm remote. So what are your feelings about the teachers who are back in school? Um, I feel for them and um, uh, they, if they get infected, they're going to have a very serious pre-existing condition. And uh, so it, it's a lot of debilitating long-term con, uh, consequences. And you know, if, if Supreme Court decisions go the wrong way, it could end up that they would be having conditions that would not be covered by insurance. Right. If, if they contract the COVID. So you were talking about how the hasty handling of the COVID situation struck you as a pointing to a larger issue in the need for democratic control of schools. Can you explain that? Sure. Um, 
the the mayor had uh, not been listening to uh, the teachers and the parents. There was this uh, major petition in the middle of March to get the school shut down. It was uh, like like a wildfire that signatures that it was getting and the mayor was impervious to this. And so this was really pointing to a larger issue that it was, it, this is just under the control of the mayor. It's sort of like a small king, like a principality of New York that he's just got absolute rule. And uh, in this case, it's a terrible mistake because we see that there was this delay in getting the schools shut down. If they had been closed a week earlier, there, this could have interrupted the spread in a great way. And so that really struck me as uh, you know, a real error in the, in the structure of the system. So tell me about your work, um, your activist work. What are you, like, what have you been fighting for in the last, since we've opened, since schools have opened up? Like, what are some of the issues that you guys are working towards? Oh, sure. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, safety uh, concerns, make sure that there is testing being done, uh, that the testing is comprehensive. Uh, when it is just voluntary or random, uh, that's, that leaves open for the gaps of a lot of uh, cases that get through, and uh, that's how the spread can happen. And so the testing needs to be comprehensive in order to make sure that people are not coming in. Uh, uh, with the illness. Well, I feel like that they, they have been, like they, they've allowed us to get testing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I was tested very easily in, in, in my school. There was um, one case of COVID and we all were able to get tested and get our results within 24 hours. I, um, so I feel like, you know, we had a bail, it was very, it was easily available for us. Mm. Um, and I see that now that they're trying, they're now doing random testing in schools, mm. um, but also the numbers are smaller um, from what I'm experiencing in terms of like, we have smaller class numbers. So it, it doesn't feel as unsafe as I kind of thought it would be because, mm. but the numbers are gonna rise eventually because kids are gonna come yes. back to school. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? Um, yes, uh, a lot of this is a uh, speculation. And so um, uh, we don't really know quite what's gonna happen. It's fortunate that there has not been the great spread. Um, unfortunately, there are some factors like um, we're gonna have Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. And so there'll be a lot of congregating of people that don't normally live together, uh, getting together, being close spaces, uh, eating so naturally masks off. And so there's the potential that what we have is a low level right now might expand. So the areas that are yellow zones might become orange zones, the places that are orange zones might become red zones. And so we could be in a bad uh, spot. So right. I think that this uh, points to the need for steady vigilance on this. Right. So, so in terms of what, like in terms of what the, the governor should do, what the DOE should do, what the union should do. Let's talk a little bit about your feelings about what's happening with the union. And Sure. Um, on so many of these issues, the union had given initial statements that uh, things would be shut down if, this, if, the, uh, if we reach a 3% threshold. And, uh, and then there had been this pledge that we would have uh, mandatory testing and so now there's a few things coming through that maybe it might happen that 
people can opt out of the testing or that, um, you know, this issue of the 3% threshold, it doesn't really make sense of the giant city that we are, that, you know, you can have 3% across the whole, uh, less than 3% across the whole city, yet in certain neighborhoods, you could have over 5% or over 10%. Well, it's happening right now, right? Yeah. I mean, there's neighborhoods right now that have 6% and more mm -hmm. um, where schools are shutting down. Yes. So it pointed to kind of a, uh, a hole in the pledge. It was an inadequate pledge that was made at the outset. And uh, so this can just escalate. Which is what's happening. Yes, right. Right. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you is, I know you had some feelings about what's happening with funding and who's getting funded, who's not getting funding, um, what's happening to the um, poor communities in school. Can we? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, we've got a longstanding problem with uh, that the state had pledged to give the city the funding that it deserved. There had been a... Um, a lawsuit 20 years ago that some activists had waged, uh, Robert Jackson, who's now a state senator. And uh, we, the activists were successful in winning the suit and getting the declaration that the New York City should be getting this money. However, we're not. And so uh, uh, there's so many challenges that we face right now uh, that could be resolved if we had better funding. And so uh, this is like continuing to the present. Right. So where is all that funding? Because I heard that there was money. I've talked to some other people about this, that there was money um, in uh, that Cuomo was holding back money. What is the deal mm -hmm. with that? Yes, um, actually, um, there's a movement in a rank and file way within the New York State Union or within the New York uh, State United Teachers. So this is the, uh, the teachers across the, the state. And there's movement for a uh, Senate bill S7378 and slash it's got a uh, joint bill in the state assembly, the uh, smaller district local uh, reps, A10363. And so this bill um, is for foundation aid that would um, raise taxes on millionaires to fully fund the schools. So this is giving an avenue on how to fund the schools uh, to resolve this longstanding challenge and uh, problem that we've had of we, we're owed money, yet it, the, uh, the action has not come through to uh, follow through on the pledge. Right. So where, are, where is our union in this? Where is the, the, the UFT, the New York, New York City Union, mm -hmm. where do they stand in this? And sure. what's their um, part? They are uh, not really as ambitious and active as they should be in terms of this longstanding struggle of getting this, uh, I think it's about, uh, uh, I don't wanna put a dollar on it and uh, be wrong, but it's, it's a few billion that we're owed. And so they have been remiss in not uh, seeking that. And also they're remiss in not um, yet coming behind this bill. So um, we in New York City are the largest part of the state union. 
And so if we had the leverage of the UFT, this could swing it statewide. And so um, we need, uh, I can do a little bit pitch. We need to get uh, the UFT members listening to press uh, Dermot Smith, who's a uh, major uh, state lobby person on behalf of the union uh, to press for this bill that I mentioned before, S7378 slash assembly 10363. And uh, you know, this is this is something to help make this a success. Uh, so the union is not yet on this. So we need to get the union on this. And we also need to ask the members to appeal to the state level advocate, Andy Pilata, uh, and have him to uh, put his weight on this in the um, in the state Senate and the assembly. Right, well, good. I, mean, I hope that we'll, we'll post that about it when we when we post the, um, when you post your podcast. Um, you talked about the WPA level intents of hiring therapists and counselors and where's mm -hmm. the funding for that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, um, that's something that um, I don't know if this is addressed in this bill, but it really ought to be. Even before the pandemic happened, uh, there was a shortage in counselors. You would have a school that could uh, have you know, a few hundred students, one guidance counselor, uh, or one social worker, or one psychologist. And uh, this is just inadequate. You know, uh, uh, students have challenges in the uh, adolescence and they need to have better counseling. And so, we had a city and that also with COVID. Yes, I mean, right. Just, sure. I mean, not just yes. that, mm -hmm. but like we're yeah. we're talking about mm -hmm. how students are dealing with COVID yes. when they've been stuck at home and we mm -hmm. don't know what their home life is like. Exactly. So I right. think. It, I mean, I don't even think it's just about like mm -hmm. one count. You know, a count, like yes, it's getting right. a lot of counselors into the yes, school. Like, exactly. who's taking care of them for mm -hmm. that? Right. Right. So this is why I was saying the WPA level that it was a problem before COVID and it's magnified because of COVID. You, we don't know what was going on in uh, the, the homes. There could have been thousands of homes where there were you know, terrible circumstances going on. And those students need advocacy now. Well, um, they need the personal, uh, uh, it, more immediate than advocacy, they need the counseling and the help. And right. so the school system is where uh, this this should be delivered. It's a safe space for them. Um, and so this is really a potential for some great growth and great movement forward. Um, and we could be like this generation's WPA for this, but we need Can to- Can you have, explain what WPA is? Oh, sure. Like the Works Progress Administration from the okay. New Deal era. So okay. we had these um, uh, large work programs that would uh, employ people that, a different ethos was going on then, that there was an ambition to have hundreds of people in a locale employed for common good. And right. so we need to have this now that we've got this crisis going on and we have this urgency. And so uh, we need to have the will there. Right. And you were talking about um, the trauma ramifications, conscious training was needed and yes. you feared that it was a crutch for not hiring more counseling staff. Right, right. So uh, this was a uh, counseling that was for the teachers. Um, in terms of the pedagogy and general sensitivity, I think it was a very important uh, in innovation for this to be implemented. So I, uh, I 
uh, applaud the system for uh, going through with this. Yet, um, I don't think that this should be on the teachers alone. And so that um, there, the students will have problems that are beyond of what the teacher can uh, take care of in terms of being sensitive. Um, and so we need to have the therapists and counselors hired to make sure that uh, their needs are addressed. Right, right. And also, I mean, um, can you speak a little bit about the whole social justice movement that's been going on and how that's related to what's happening with COVID too? Sure. Um, uh, a lot of uh, the concern of more is uh, to have racial justice. Uh, we've got, unfortunately, countless examples of uh, killings and routine abuses that are non-lethal but still humiliating that are going on countless times. And so this is uh, happening disproportionately to black and brown people. And so students experience this in their uh, daily living. And so this is why um, uh, activists such as myself have been saying Black Lives Matter and that uh, we need to be uh, cognizant of this across the board in terms of our uh, union activism and our pedagogy. Right. So, so where we are now is that we are, um, it was, it, the, the, the rate seemed to go down for COVID. We were doing really well, but now there's gonna be a, a huge surge mm -hmm. coming up. Like we're yes. supposed to have a second, um, like mm -hmm. in some parts of the country, there's mm -hmm. another bout of COVID happening, um, a second wave and we're coming on, on here. So how do we protect the teachers? Like what needs to be done right now to make sure that we do not lose the life of teachers that we have already lost? Sure. Well, we need to make sure that we uh, have stronger vigilance because even with the vigilance that uh, we've been discussing, there have been cases coming through. Uh, it's about one a week where a staff members uh, have to go out or that there's uh, a school that's having to close down. So um, the, the standards need to be stricter and uh, tighter uh, because you know, this is not acceptable. Um, even if it's just uh, a small number of deaths, that's not acceptable. You know, what's a tragedy for one person, one family is 100%. So uh, I think it's unfortunate that uh, there's kind of this numbers crunching by politicians that, well, it's a very small number of cases and deaths. Well, no, that's, that's a giant colossal tragedy for that family. So, mm -hmm. uh, we, we, or the people around them, yeah, yeah and yeah, other teachers, the family, right, mm -hmm. and other teachers too. Yes. So, what are um, what are some of the things that you are you're as an activist you're trying to implement or, or get you know like are you making phone calls to government officials? Are you petition like what kind of things are you doing right now to make sure that going into the second wave that teachers are safe? Uh, yes. Um, we're working with uh, city council um, uh, with, uh, you know, petitioning these types of issues of, uh, you know, strong vigilance, strong advocacy on uh, these matters. And uh, going back to the, the social justice uh, consciousness, um, the, the COVID tragedy 
disproportionately impacted the black and brown communities across the city. So um, uh, the, the political system has been uh, negligent of, uh, of uh, under-empowered um, under communities for a long time. And so this is just another instance of it. So we're, uh, we're trying to really uh, work against that terrible legacy and try to be uh, decent advocates. Right. Um, how is your experience um, this time with um, remote teaching? How has that been for you? Have you noticed the effect on your students, or has it been? Um, are you having the same good experience as you had in the in the in the spring? Um, well, I'd, I'd say it's uh, good. Um, I think that there's a lingering problem in terms of the technology. Mm -hmm. That um, there's uh, tablets that need updating and um, I think that um, more ideal is a laptop. Uh, these tablets, uh, it, the updating means that the students are missing out on things. They don't get full connectivity with the certain types of uh, uh, things that are going on with them. Uh, there's great potential with the uh, remote learning. Now, albeit we want to go back into schools we want, when this uh, disease is gone. And so uh, the best is the in-person, but in terms of uh, you know, what you can do remotely, there's a greater breadth in terms of what you can do when you're having the laptop rather than just the iPad. There's just too many situations where uh, it, there's a little bit of um, uh, challenges there. Right, I mean, for me, I'm doing both online, I'm doing both remote and in live instruction, and I'm mm -hmm. finding some interesting challenges like when I'm um, when I'm teaching remotely, I get to see their faces and I'm mm. a theater teacher, so, I get to see their expressions mm, and sure. it's easier for them to express, but I also yes. have the challenge of them driving in a car when they're doing theater class, mm. you know, sometimes they're in a car mm. or their parents are there, or they turn the mic on and there's so much noise because there's like three other kids at home mm. teaching, you know, learning too, that it's hard to hear yes. them. Um, but I can, you know, um, but, you know, having that like freedom from the mask yes. is, is, helpful but I also find you know in person definitely it's challenging teaching with the masks the masks mm -hmm. on and also making sure that the kids are going to keep their masks on I teach mm. young kids so you know I find you know but I also there's something about being in person also that's really nice as a teacher it makes sure. me feel like I'm doing something that I, I don't feel as much sometimes online because you don't get to see them right after class so you just right right you just check out I just check in once a week so I find that mm -hmm. You know, it's been interesting. I mean, I think if it stayed this way for a while in, in this, these safe numbers, I would mm -hmm. feel much better about, okay, I think we can do this. Like, I think we yes. can make this, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm extremely worried about what's going to happen when um, teachers can opt in, when parents can opt in, because the numbers are still low enough. And they're mm. saying, I think that there was a report out from, um, the governor, the mayor about how um, it's really safe in schools right now. I don't know mm. if you've heard that report. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. You, you yeah. know, and my worry is that parents are going to say, oh, it's safe mm. now. Let's bring our students in. And then yes. the numbers of students within the classroom is going to go up and the safety mm. is going to go down. So yes, yes. These are some of the things that I'm sure. you know, concerned about. Yes. You know, I'm curious, you know, about that, too. But anyway, well, I just, this has been, it's been really great to talk to yes, you um, and thank you for your input sure. and your, you know, and, and we'll definitely um, make sure that people know about this. Can you say again, what about that people need to, the, the bill that you're talking about? Oh, sure. Um, the bill again is 
S7378. Um, and then it's got the, that's the, the S is relating to the state Senate. And the um, assembly version is 10363. And um, it has co-sponsors and senators, uh, John Leo from um, Flushing and uh, Michael Giannaris from Astoria. Uh, they've been uh, co-sponsors. So it'd be terrific if uh, every teacher out there could uh, contact um, uh, their, um, their local representatives and state senators to get this thing pushed through and uh, passed. Great. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely put that out there when we um, sure. release the podcast too. Yes, so great. thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you as sure. a teacher for all that you're doing yes. for students and all that your, your activism, all that you're doing for teachers. Um, sure. We really appreciate that. Yes. Yes. And thank you for being on the great podcast. Chatting. Yes. All right. Well. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. The Warriors of Education podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, and edited by Alyssa Renzi. If you are a teacher or you know of a teacher who has a great story, you can find us at warriorsofeducation.com or email us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. 